Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Thank you, Jesus. He'll take you through the fire. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) He's able. I said he's able. (laughs) He's able, no matter what you're facing today, no matter what you're going through, he's able to lead you on out of that fire. The fire is the safe place. The fire is a safe place. Don't run from it. You know, you take a look. And our friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went in the fire. What happened? God protected them, but the, the men that threw them in the fire, what happened? They were burned. They got burnt up. Yeah. The fire is the safe place. Get in where Jesus is. Ooh, yeah. Find out where Jesus is. Well, it's hard. Yeah. It's, you know, who wants to jump into the middle of a, into the furnace, you know? <laughs> who wants to jump into the middle of the furnace? But it's there that there's protection. It's there that there's safety. Amen. Well, I would want to take a look just real quick, and we're going to receive communion together in just a moment. But if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, I just want to take a look at this scripture together. It's the beginning of the Lord's Supper. It's the beginning of the, of the Passover feast together. We'll take a look at what, what transpired have you ever been somewhere before, maybe in church, that something happened that just caught you off guard? <laughs> yeah, just never, every week, just never know what's going to happen. I like church like that. You know, I, I don't, you know, God help us if I, if I ever get into a place or we ever get into a place where we just say, well, that's, this is, this is what church looks like. You know, we just, we have our, you know. We come expecting. Yeah. We come expecting. We, you know, when you come hungry, when you come expecting the Lord to move in your life, to move in the lives of your friends and family that you've come together with, you just never know. That's a recipe for, mir- for miracles. Yes. When you come expecting, it's a recipe for miracles. You know, they, they, these folks, they'd come together. They'd seen Jesus' ministry. They had watched the miracles. They had seen the triumphant entry. They, had, they were expecting Jesus to become the king. He was going to replace the, the Roman rulership. He was going to become the king. But something unmistakable happens at the beginning of the feast. Something that left a mark that they'll never forget. And we read about it in Mark chapter 14, verse 1. It says, After two days it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery. They were looking to arrest Jesus and to put him to death. And this, we know that this even started at his triumphant entry. We looked at that last week. They they were ready to arrest him at that point, but they were afraid of a riot. And so they just kept quiet. But now they've escalated. They're, They're now looking for an opportunity to seize him, to arrest him, and to kill him. And they said, but not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, 
A woman having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. She came in and she broke it and poured it on his head. And there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me, for you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not always have. And she also has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. And surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Let me just pause right there. Here's Jesus. They're, they're in the celebration mode and in the, uh, you know, plans of having a party. Maybe, maybe this weekend you've had your family together or today you'll have your family together for Easter. You've done your Easter festivities. Well, that's kind of what's happening. They were having their feast. They were having their party. They were going about their normal routine. And in the middle of their normal routine, in walks this woman who has this very costly, very aromatic perfume. So much so that Scripture tells us that the, the aroma, the fragrance of that perfume filled the room. And she comes over and she breaks open this alabaster jar and she begins to pour out this ointment on Jesus. She begins to anoint his hair. She begins to anoint his feet. She begins to worship Jesus with this very costly perfume, this very fragrant, I would imagine in that moment, that as that fragrance filled the room. Can you just picture with me just for a moment? Maybe you've been somewhere. You know, we've had, we've had people tell us, you know, they, they, in service at times, they smell. It's like the fragrance of the Holy Spirit in the room that it becomes very distinct fragrance and, 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 and filling the room. And, I, and I've been in those meetings where, where I've smelled, it's like you could smell the presence of the Lord so heavy and so thick in the room. I, I've, been in, I've been in places before where you, where you have someone walk in and the, their cologne or their perfume kind of follows them in and you, you smell it, you catch the, the smell, the fragrance of what they're wearing. And I imagine in that moment with Jesus, as she's pouring out, first there's this, this shock of, what is this woman doing? How could she do this to Jesus? How could she come in and interrupt us and begin to pour out this? I mean, doesn't she know who he is? And doesn't he know who she is? It's such a waste. You know, we see Judas and the other Gospels harassing her. We, we, should, we should give this money to the poor. We should, we should, there's more practical uses. This is such a waste. There's more practical uses for this. Let me tell you something. Your worship, your, ne- your worship is always invited by Jesus. And he'll never run you off. And there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing more practical than worshiping Jesus with your uh, your exuberant worship. You know, sometimes we, well, I just don't want to make a scene. This woman made a scene. She made a big scene. And Jesus said of her that it would be a memorial to her. Wherever, wherever Scripture goes, wherever this testimony goes, it'll be said of this woman what she did. 
You see, your worship is, Jesus talked about her preparing, preparing his body for, for burial. I'm sure that that was not something that the disciples comprehended fully in that moment. But, but later, after they saw Jesus buried, after they saw him crucified, I wonder what they thought about this woman and her excessive display of worship. I wonder if they thought for a moment, wow, I wish I would have been the one that would have been excessive with Jesus. I wish I would have been the one. I wonder what, I wonder what thoughts of maybe a little bit of regret that they might have had. She saw something we didn't see. She saw something we didn't see. You see, when, when we have eyes of faith, we see things that we don't see with our natural eyes. You, when you begin to perceive things through eyes of faith, you begin to see the unseen. You begin to hear the unheard. You begin to, you begin to tap into the, the will and the doings and the happenings of the Father. And this woman tapped in. She entered in by faith and she brought her worship, her excessive worship, and she began to pour it on Jesus' feet and his head. She began to prepare him. She began to minister to him. Today, just as we reflect on Easter, we reflect on Jesus' resurrection. I think about there's coming a day where you and I will step into eternity whether by way of the grave or the trumpet call of God, we're going to step into eternity, those of us who are born again. There's coming a day where we will, we will, if you, <laughs> oh, it'll be excessive, all right. <laughs> it'll be excessive worship. It's heaven's excessive. <laughs> it's full of worship. It's full of exuberance. It's full of shouting. Thousands, John the Revelator tells us of the thousands upon thousands upon thousands worshiping around the throne, shouting of, and worshiping the Lord. A heaven's going to be a happy place, a joyful place, a place saturated, satiated in his love, saturated in his joy. There's coming a day where we'll step out of this life into that place and worship the Lord like we've never worshiped before. But, but, but there, there is, there is, a, there, is <laughs> there is a worship. There is a worship that can happen in this life, right now, in this place, like you can't worship in heaven. There's a worship that can take place right now in this life, in this life that we're living that you can't work, you won't ever be able to worship God like you can worship Him in this life. You see, in this life, we're, we're hindered by our, our physical bodies. In this life, we're hindered by our natural and carnal nature. In this life, we're, we're hindered by our own perceptions and our pride and our issues. And so in this life, we, we offer our sacrifice of praise. In this life, it becomes a sacrifice to lay on the altar our flesh and our carnal nature and say, I'll worship you, Lord, in spite of that because you love me. You died for me. You rose again. In this life, I can worship you in a way that in the next life, I won't be able to worship this way. I, I won't be hindered by, I won't, have a, I won't have a sacrifice per se. It will be the natural 
natural flow of life in heaven to worship. Here it's a sacrifice. There it's the atmosphere. Here it's, a, it's, it's pressing through. There will be the natural reality of heaven because we'll see him as he is. But, but in this life, oh hallelujah, in this life I can worship him. I can worship Him, not according to my carnal, fleshly nature, but I can step in and offer a sacrifice of praise, worshiping in Him in spirit and in truth. There's a worship on this side of eternity that we won't ever have again. And so much like this woman who poured out, she made the most of the opportunity that was before her. She seized the day, so to speak. (laughs) She took the opportunity that was before her, and she began to pour out her worship, her excessiveness, an annual salary worth. Just think about that. Think about how much money you make in a year. Think about how much money you make in a year, and you take that money to buy, to purchase, a perfume, maybe with other intentions. Maybe that that perfume was intended for someone else. Maybe that perfume was intended for her job, a client, if you just follow with me for a moment. Maybe that perfume was intended for someone else or for another purpose than worship. But the very thing, the very, the very thing in her life that became her sin, the very thing in her life that was her sin, her bondage, her issue, became a platform for her worship. This is what I may have been but I met Jesus. This this may have been who I was, and this may have been the purpose for this perfume, but I found Jesus to be my all-sufficiency. He is enough for me. I don't need to go find another client. I I I don't need to go find another cigarette. I don't need to go find another drink. I don't need to go find another relationship. I don't need to go find another means of success and fulfillment. I have Jesus. He found me in my pit. He rescued me out of the place of despair. And now I'm going to lavish on him my excessive worship. And nobody else can stop me. (laughs) Say what you want. Do what you want. But I am going to press in and worship Jesus. (laughs) What a scene. What a scene that must have been. Can you imagine what was going through Jesus' mind? You know, we've got the woman. We know what she thought. She was there to worship. She was humbling herself. She had to lay aside her reputation, the thoughts of others. I mean, she really had to offer. This was a full sacrifice for her. You had the religious leaders that had gathered around. You had all the disciples, everybody making their judgments. But Jesus, what was Jesus' thoughts? What was Jesus thinking? And he says to her, you have the poor with you always. Whenever you wish, you can do good to them. 
So he's not negating to them ministry to the poor. He's actually saying to them that that's just worship as much as what this woman is doing. Taking care of others and being hospitable, fulfilling, fulfilling the royal law of loving others. That's, that's just as much worship as what this woman is doing. But he says you can do that at any time. You can love on them, you can minister to them and fulfill that anytime. And he goes on to say in verse 8 of Mark 14, She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. She's done what she could. Wow, what a statement for Jesus to make. If Jesus were to look at your life and, and, and compare your life, would he, would he look at you and say, you've done what you could? Or would you be like the rich young ruler saying, what lack I yet? Would you be like this woman who says, I've laid it all at his feet. I've, I've worshipped lavishly. I've left it all on Jesus. I've put my life on Jesus. I've laid everything I have on Jesus. I've worshipped excessively. I've lived my life to the fullest, worshipping Jesus. Or would Jesus look at you like he said to the rich young ruler, go sell all that you have. You, you really haven't given up much. You followed the rules, yes. But your heart is far from me. You followed the checklist. You did the rules. You did all the religious duties. But your heart is far from me. What lack I yet, Jesus? Wow. She's done all. She's done all that she could. She's given all that she could. She laid her life. She laid her life on me. She poured out her life on me. What about you today, friend? You know, we're talking about Easter this weekend. You know, we're, we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. He gave his life. Yes. He gave everything. He laid it all out for you and I. He stepped into creation. He humbled himself. The second service today, I'm preaching on him humbling himself. The, oh, what a wonderful Savior that we have. He, he came and humbled himself. He gave everything for you and I. And our response is a response of worship. See, when you've tasted the reality of eternity, when you've tasted the reality of Christ, when you're tasting of Him, when you're feasting on Him, when you're enjoying Christ, our response is to give it all. We can't help but worship Him extravagantly. We can't help but worship Him passionately. We can't help but feast on Jesus and worship Him. Yeah. Jesus continues on. This scene passes. Verse 10, it says, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Him to them. Interesting enough that Mark identifies this as the moment that Judas says, I'm betraying him. You see, excessive worship, <laughs> excessive worship will always offend the religious. It always, it never fails. Excessive worship, passionate worship is like a line drawn in the sand saying, here I stand. I won't recant. It's saying, I will worship him, whatever the cost, and every religious person 
will be offended by it. And that becomes the moment Judas realizes, I have followed Jesus, but my heart is far from him. I've been in all the meetings, but my heart is far from him. I've seen all the miracles, but my heart is far from him. I've seen it all. Oh, you can't surprise me, Jesus. I've seen it all. Becomes the moment that Judas decides to betray. You know, it's interesting enough because in that moment, you know, this is so interesting. I was not planning on going this direction. Obviously, the Lord has his own agenda and we're just on board. But it's interesting to me that Judas in that moment where this woman was worshiping extravagantly before the Lord, Judas had an opportunity to enter in. Judas was presented with an opportunity to step in and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus made it very plain and said, she's preparing me for my burial. He had just been proclaimed as the Messiah, the coming king, the the ruler, the one that would forgive the world of their sins. They had seen this. They had heard this time and time again. And Judas had an opportunity for a changed heart. But in that moment, what should have been an opportunity for repentance became an opportunity for him to fulfill his place of judgment. What about you? You know, we have an opportunity this weekend The Lord's given us yet again another opportunity to say, will you step in and worship me? Will you step in and worship me with everything that you have? Will you yield every area of your life to me? Will you give me everything that you have? Will you trust me fully? Will you love me passionately? Will you worship me extravagantly? He's asking again. He's asking again. He's knocking on the door of your heart saying, will you let me in again? Will you yield to me? He's giving us another opportunity to worship him. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. The religious leaders were glad with Judas betraying the Lord and they promised him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. You know, betrayal is never convenient. It's an interesting statement. He sought how he might conveniently betray him. To betray the one you love requires effort. He had to look for the opportune time. This was a, this, this moment was premeditated. It was strategic. It's much easier to be a person of worship and yield to the Lord and allow Him to change you and resurrect the dead areas of your life. It's much easier for you to allow Him to work in your life and through your life than it would be to try to strategize and look for opportunities to do otherwise. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go to prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out the disciples and said to them, go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. 
Wherever he goes, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There, make ready for us. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. In the evening he came with the twelve, and as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and say to one another, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered, and he said to them, It is the one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish, and the Son of Man indeed goes, just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. Wow. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. A couple thoughts as we prepare to take communion together. They were too busy. They were too busy to notice who was dipping with Jesus. They were too busy arguing, who's going to be the greatest? Are you going to sit on the right? Am I going to sit on the left? Who's going, to, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And they totally missed that moment of decision when Judas dips at the same time. And I wonder what happened with Judas. I wonder in that moment when he dipped the same time Jesus did his bread and meat and and. You know, I, I kind of picture this in my head. I kind of get this picture of this big Italian, you know, family dinner, and everybody's just slopping all up, all the juice and all the leftover. They're all having fun, you know. It's kind of the picture in my head, anyway. They're all, you know, having a good time. And they're all, they're all talking. Everybody's talking. They're all, you know, in Cajun world, we have a big family. Everybody, they talk, and everybody talks so loud, you know. <laughs> You can hear every conversation in the room is just such a loud conversation. You're like, can we just turn down the volume a little bit, you know? And I, and I would imagine that's probably what's happening in this moment. They're, they're excited. Jesus is going to be the king. He's going to take over. And we're going to be his right-hand men. Who's going to sit on his right? Who's going to sit on? Who, who is it? And they miss the moment of decision when Judas's eyes catch Jesus's. And Jesus looks at him and says, go Go do what you have to do. Amazing. And he goes on and he ministers. I'm going to ask if those that are serving communion would go ahead and serve communion. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330 762 7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.